Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I'm so excited to share today the voice of my friend, Alma Uldadai. She is amazing. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. I've heard her speak on panels. Her opinions are, um, you know, people hang on to her every word, not to pressure you, Alma, but <laughs> I'm super excited to have you here today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you very much to have me on this podcast. I'm really happy to be here. I have read so much about you after you'd invited me to be on the EII and I can't believe how amazing you are and the fact that you have reached out to me, that makes me really proud of myself. It's like I'm a very blushing. proud moment. <laughs> <laughs> this show is about you, my friend. This show is about you. So thank you for that. I'm blushing. But um, it's our honor to have you here on the show. I would also like to, before you go on, introduce um, a new voice that you folks will hear on our Friday podcast in a regular way. She'll be here every Friday. Uh, her name is Stephanie Abramson. She's a childhood friend who's grown up to be quite a remarkable businesswoman. She graduated in journalism and has worked at some major magazines, lives in New York City, and she will co-host today so we get to know more about Alma. So Alma, tell Stephanie and me everything you want to tell us and more. Okay, well, I'll just give you a little bit background about myself. I'm originally from Albania. I grew up there. I came here in the United States about, you know, when I was 22. And I didn't speak English. I spoke just a little bit of English. But my dream was to come to New York and become an attorney. So mind you, I'm from a small town in Albania where there's no way I can come to U.S. So I found a way to come to U.S., but... Everybody used to tell me, come down to earth. Why do you have these big dreams that are not achievable? But I said, if I'm going to dream, I'm going to dream about anything I want. So I really want to be an attorney in New York. So the funny thing is that I moved here and then I met a lot of Albanian people because that's the language I spoke. And then uh, when I told people that's what I wanted to do, they're like, first of all, you don't speak English. Second of all, you don't, you're not legal here yet. And the best bet you have is you either become a hairstylist or you become a waitress <laughs> or get married and have children. No, that's, that's not the American dream you had. No, but that's what everybody told me that those were my best bets. Like if I want to work and have a career, it would be in the services industry pretty, pretty much or work in the cleaning services. So I'm like, I didn't come here to the to the United States so I can do same things that I could have done in Albania as well. And I was like, I have to find a way. What am I going to do about this? Because that's not how I want to live my life. If, and then uh, everybody always kept saying like, come down to earth, come down to earth. I'm like, okay, I will try to figure this out. I went to the library in 42nd street and I found out that there's actually applications for colleges, for city colleges. And even if you don't speak English yet, what they do is they accept you and they give you ESL classes and English classes. So I got the application there. I applied for college and little did I know they accepted me within a month. Wow. In less than a year in US, they accepted me and I was just over the moon. And that's how my journey started. So 
I went through college, I worked full time through college, I was a volunteer, I was a vice president of New Albanian Generation. We did a lot of volunteering there, we did a lot of uh, fundraisers and taught Albanian to kids born to Albanian parents here in US. And I did a lot of things during that time. I guess I got, I was young and I had the energy and the adrenaline from all the things that I wanted going on at the same time. So I finished college. I took time off. I didn't want to go through law school and get a loan, but then I realized that I just didn't want to work in real estate for the rest of my life. That was not my dream. And I said, I have to do what I have to do. Went to law school and finally got my degree. Passed the bar, became an attorney. I've been practicing for the last six years now. You are amazing. So first of all, even those of us born in this country, um, we, we, we have dreams, right? We have dreams. And then some days they become, well, reality kicked in. We weren't able to live that dream. You set out from another land. You came here. You made your dream a reality in the face of all the doubt and in the face of all the, you know, come down to earth, as you say. And your English is amazing to top it off. So, wow, what a story. You know, we need to speak more often. All these compliments. <laughs> it's well, great. If ever you're feeling down, just know that you can push play because this is being recorded. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honest. You, really oh, you are. have achieved. You have achieved so much. So I guess it's sort of it may be a silly question to ask, or maybe it may be a difficult question to um, ask you to answer, which is what is your proudest professional accomplishment. You've achieved so much already. Is there one proud, most proud professional moment or accomplishment? Well, if you count as a professional accomplishment is when I was admitted to the New York State Bar. Yes. That was the cherry on top because that was my ultimate dream and the fact that I actually attained it in that same day when I was admitted, I had chills over my body. It's not a big deal to become an attorney. That's not the big deal here in general. You know, a lot of people are smart out there. Everybody can become an attorney. It's that, that's not the big deal. I think what the big deal was for me is that a lot of people have told me you can't do this. That's one. And two, I also doubted myself at times. Because coming from a small town to New York and then going through this education and then passing the New York State Bar, it was like kind of unattainable, but I still wanted to because I was an immigrant. I'm still an immigrant. Well, now I'm a naturalized citizen. And my initial thought was that I want to help people like me, immigrants. Nice. So the fact that I was able to get admitted to the New York State Bar, I don't think anything has stopped that. I have chills now listening to you tell this story. That's and the powerful. fact that you've said it's not such a big deal to be a lawyer when in fact, you know, you've gone through so many hurdles just for the average person, it's, it would be quite a challenge, particularly the passing the New York State Bar. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in awe. And it, it kind of makes me wonder if, um, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there right now who you're inspiring. And I'm, I'm curious if there has been, um, 
someone who has served uh, as your mentor who, or who has been your best inspirational mentor during your journey or through your journey? Well, that is a very loaded question <laughs> for me. I know if you ask people who is your inspiration and they have it on the tip of their hands, of their fingers, and they can tell you like this person or that person. But I can't just point one person that has been my inspiration throughout this whole experience. For example, like I can just go back to my childhood and find people who have inspired me and helped me and encouraged me. So I don't want to go on a laundry list, but for example, I can just start with my dad when I was in the first grade. He used to give me 10 lek. Lek is the Albanian currency, but 10 lek would buy you a cookie and an ice cream. So he told me if you get a 10, 10 was the equivalent of an A. He said, that if you get a 10, I'll give you 10 lek. So anyway, it kind of started with a little bribery. <laughs> but what he did was that it was yes bribing me and all of us children we were six of us wow. but what he tried to do is that he knew we were intelligent I mean that's what he thought I'm not claiming here I'm an intelligent person you are you are <laughs> but he knew that if he pushes us a little bit and we see that by reading and learning the joy of like, you know, learning something new and getting A's and being treated a certain way, then he knew that he's not gonna have to give us the 10 lek anymore. We're gonna just gonna keep going and doing that. So for the first year in my elementary school, I got 10 leks for every 10 I got, but I got all 10s. And then one point he's like, oh, well, you know, I don't have any more money in the bank. Like I keep giving them all to you. So oh, that's awesome. I love that story. But what he did is that he set me up to understand the importance of education, even with bribery, but still he got me to that point to appreciate education. And then also going forward, so I just then kept going because I enjoyed I enjoyed learning, I enjoyed math, I enjoyed the attention because everybody, oh, Alma is the best in the class. I was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my start. My mom is really intelligent. Um, given the background, she was not able to go further than eight classes, like eight grades. And it was due to the culture back there. We can't let her go get higher education. She'll be an outcast. So her family, you know, that's how it was, not that they were bad people or anything. It was because it was the culture back then. So my mom always wished that she went and got the education she wanted, but she couldn't. But she's also inspired us our entire life. And then I've met people throughout my career that have inspired me and have pushed me and have had faith in me and have encouraged me because they saw something that I was having doubts here in U.S. The fact that English is my third language. It always made me doubt myself when it comes to the language itself. So I've had those colleagues, friends, and everybody that they, and I've been blessed to have these amazing people in my life throughout my life. I kind of like rotate around people that are giving, are caring, are happy for you if you achieve something. 
push you to achieve and do the best you can. They don't push you down. Right. So it has taught me so much. And then in my entire life, like anytime I'm around people, I always say the positive things I see around about them because I want to also encourage them to do their best. So it has been an array of people. And then currently, for example, I have colleagues also that have achieved so much. I don't want to give names. I don't know because I have not had this discussion with them to give their names out there, but I have very strong, smart, intelligent women, hardworking leaders that even, even if they don't tell me like do this or do that, you should do this this way or that way. It's just, they lead by example. That's so, a perfect segue to my next question. Um, you mentioned your mother and I was thinking about that and I understand that's cultural or was, and um, thank goodness we're, you know, more supportive of women in this culture here. Uh, I say that, but I'm busy trying to create equity in the workplace for women. Why don't you share with me maybe some of the examples you've learned from your colleagues or how you believe that women can lift other women and support women in business? There's a lot of ways we can do that, but I think the first thing every woman should do is stop comparing themselves with their colleagues, with their friends, with their relatives. Stop it. That does not get you anywhere. First of all, it's like very, I, I just can imagine what a negative feeling it is to go compare yourself. I have never in my life compared myself to anybody. That's I have aspired awesome. to people, but I've never in my life, I can truly say it, I've never compared myself to anyone. That's and I don't even know how jealousy feels. Oh, I love that. That's the most powerful statement ever made on my show. Seriously. Um, jealousy is, you know, so I say guilt, gossip, and jealousy. What are, what worthless endeavors are those, right? Um, it's beautiful that you said that the only person you need to compare yourself to or compete with is the person you were yesterday, not someone else. We're all made of different, um, you know, skills and talents and such. I love what you just said. Say that one more time for the audience. That's funny because I was going to say the next thing is that I always compete with myself. Yes. And so what do you do now. Because, you know, you have your dreams and you have your goals and you know that your life is not going to go exactly that way, but you kind of have a guide and a path. So when you have that in mind and you're not where you want to be yet, you kind of keep pushing yourself because the person you have thought to be at this point in time, you're not there. And then you just push yourself. So I compete with my vision of me. I love can it. I can I insert an amen, please? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, you are wonderful. I'm telling I you, we should that. have these talks more often. You're very empowering and very supportive. And I love your positive energy and attitude. And it's just very important. And that's the next thing. People have to do the same thing you're doing. Say positive things to women. First of all, don't compete with anybody. Don't be jealous of anybody. And then also say positive things to people. We all have our own path. Even if your colleagues in the same department, you have your strengths, I have my strengths. 
I'm not going to take your promotion. You're not going to take mine. We have, if we just focus on our own personal strengths, we will get where we want to get based on our skills, not by putting someone down, by trying to make someone look bad. That makes you look bad as well. Exactly. If you're talking bad about someone, one of your colleagues, what does that say about you? I have come across people who have tried to put me down or to gossip behind my back to just make me look a certain way just because I don't know where that came from. Is there personal insecurities or yes. I don't know what that is, but I've had that situation before. And one, what I've realized is that I cannot change those people, but what can I, can I do? I can change how I handle things. Right. And I'll let people to get to know me for who I am and what I bring to the table because people will always get to that point. Like gossip or when people say things about you to kind of tarnish your name, that can only go so long. That is just a temporary thing. You have to give yourself time and people time to get to know you. And people, once they get to know you, they don't care what the gossip or what this person tried to do to make you look bad so they can go a step ahead of you. Because everybody sees, like, truth never fails. Right. Honesty never fails. So just keep doing the best you can for yourself. And at the end of the day, nothing will be more helpful to you and help the other people around you see their strengths, make them aware of their strengths. And as women, we should do that for each other. I love this lesson of encouragement and support. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said when other people are ugly to you, it's the problem is theirs, right? So there's some insecurity there or they're threatened for some reason. And if you're your highest and best self, um, you just keep on shining, keep on being who you are, doing your best work, being the better person than you were yesterday. And they will either, uh, you know, change their minds or, or walk away, right? Because they notice that their, their tactics aren't working on you. So they'll, they'll get bored of trying, right? So that's amazing. Let me ask you this. Have you been through some challenge or setback that you're willing to share and how you overcame it? The challenge is, uh, you know, we all go through challenges, but yeah. I don't make them a big deal in my head. Usually I just go, keep going through them. <laughs> but if I have to list something, um, I can say when I moved here in the U.S., I didn't speak English. I didn't know the culture. I knew a lot about Italian culture because I watched a lot of Italian TV and I spoke Italian before I moved here. Amazing. So if, Wait, if I had, hold on. We have a genius alert here. Let me just point out this woman speaks three languages. Ding, 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 ding. That's amazing. Wow. A lot of us, a lot of people speak three languages. Not, in, not in our country. Yes. No, the rest of the world. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. A triple so, threat? A triple threat. Yeah. She's a triple threat. Awesome. So, you what ladies is are amazing. Italian? So I learned Italian because we were in a communist regime, so we didn't have, um, we were not allowed to watch anything but Albanian TV. So when the communist regime was overthrown, all of a sudden we were able to 
catch the Italian signal for TV stations. Yeah. And we started watching a lot of Italian TV and then they have a beautiful culture. I love Italian culture. So we were drawn into just watching TV, TV, like movies, TV shows and you name it. And we started picking up little by little. And then I took a course because I really wanted to learn how to read and write. And that was very easy because Italian language, actually you can learn how to read and write even if you don't speak the language. So that's how I learned Italian. And then if I had moved to Italy, it would have been so easy. But when I moved to US, I spoke just a little bit of English to get by like, hi, my name is, what's your name, where you're from, what do you do? And the culture here is completely different. So coming here, it was the biggest challenge to kind of like set myself up how to live my life now in US. I had left my family back in Albania, which was really hard to get over it. And also I had to adjust to a new culture where I don't speak the language, but I had to work to pay bills. I wanted to go to college. How do I make these things happen? So it was a constant challenge for the first year in US. I worked like three jobs and pretty much I worked seven days a week from like anywhere between 7 a.m. to midnight. I worked as a hairdresser. I worked as a, in a coffee shop. I was working in a restaurant. So all of these were simultaneous jobs for a year. Wow. But that was my biggest challenge ever because I kind of felt that I didn't have anybody to guide me. And those people who I thought they can guide me, they told me, come down to earth. You can't do this. You can't do that. So that was the challenge that year to figure things out, to learn language, work to pay my bills, work to pay things that I had to and start my education. And then once I started, I felt like I had, oh my God, it was a great feeling because I went to John Jay College, which is in Columbus Circle. And I called my mom, I said, I got accepted at John Jay College. It's in the middle of Manhattan. Can you believe this, where all the sky rises are? So for me, that was like the most amazing thing. But until that happened, it really was kind of a struggle and it was a challenge. Mi piace molto. <laughs> Alma, you have this um, unique um, and such an appealing combination of humility and confidence. And um, I'm wondering if there is something uh, sort of surprising or unexpected uh, 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 that would be our readers, our audience would be, um, would be curious to know about you, something surprising. Well, everything so far has been shocking to me. Um, but is there something that maybe the people who know you don't know? Well, people who know me know about a lot of my things. My, and I find it amazing where I post a picture of me volunteering somewhere and they're like, oh my God, you've inspired me to volunteer. But that's, nice. that's something that everybody knows about me. I love volunteering in my free time. But when I have free free time, meaning that I am stuck at home, it's a hurricane, it's bad weather, I have work coverage and I have to be on call. So when I'm stuck at home, I paint for fun. Oh, nice. So not many people know that. And the fun fact, or if you wanna call it fun fact, is that all the art around my house is what I have made myself. Wow. So that doesn't mean it's art, that means that I made it and the fact that I, put something that was in my mind into a concrete canvas and now I can hang it. That's what I love about the art part. So 
and now during the quarantine, I've been doing a lot more art actually, which I keep giving to friends and family, but not many people know that. And I actually, another part, the same topic of the art, you know, this thing, this new app, TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> I opened an art account there. I don't put myself there. I just put my art. And I have one of the videos that has 8.2 million views. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Is and I have art? other. Is it uh, abstract art? Yes, I love abstract. I have because, to say, um, on your wall behind you, now my audience can't see it because this is uh, audio only, but I can see Alma on video and on the wall behind her is some of the most soothing, peaceful, is that yours? Did you paint that? Yes. Um, oh, I love it. That's like a painting. It's a, it's a metal piece that I painted and then I painted several different layers of color and then I sanded it, but somewhere where I was sanding, somewhere you just like took a shade of one color, somewhere a shade of another color. So it makes these like beautiful nuances. Well, for my eye at least, that's why it's Mine hanging too. there. <laughs> it looks like the ocean. It makes me want, it, it definitely is yes. beautiful. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking of the ocean calming and decompressing. Yes, very um, meditative, you know. So let me ask you this. So this is the point in our show. It's something we've done only in the last few months, maybe maybe four months now. Um, it's called the wild card question. And not every audience member is interested in my asking them a wild card question. But if you're game, I'm going to pull a question from a box of 144 questions. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is but I'm going to um, offer you to take that risk. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Are you sure? Game? I'm game. I can't pass on like fun stuff. And look, you can take a moment to think about your answer. Okay. Okay, so here I go. I'm pulling out a wild card. All right. I so wish I had a drum roll. <laughs> you can do the drum roll, Steph. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> That's my drum roll, my virtual drum roll. <laughs> so the question is, are people born with a unique personality or is it shaped by their human experiences and circumstances? So I'll repeat that again. Are people born with unique personality? personality? Or are their personalities shaped by circumstances? Okay. I've had conversation on this topic. Wow, good. With my sister, she's, uh, she studied psychology. She has a master's in clinical psychology. And we go back and forth on a lot of psychology and uh, these type of questions and thoughts and things that people can't figure out. There's no science for these things. So to get to the answer, there's a part of us that we are born that way, right? In our genes, for sure. My mom tells me that I used to throw a lot of tantrums when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I got that out of the way in the early age, so I don't throw tantrums anymore. But that was my personality, that's how I'm born, because I didn't learn anything. I was too little to have learned much. 
of how yeah. so based, like, like personality based. Your temperament. Yes. But the thing is like, to me, it looks like more like a 50-50 type of combination. You're born with certain like passion and fire. That's your personality. Some people are born like they're just laid back. It doesn't matter. My sister has twins. They're these beautiful boys, but ever since they were born, we could tell their personalities were different. And that's just a fact. So the rest of it is that how you're raised, like what did your family teach you? Not teaching you like do this, do that. It's more their actions. We see and we do. So that makes a big chunk, I think, of our personalities. And also exposure to the world, like what we do with our day-to-day -day life that also shapes who we are. I've always been open-minded, but it's only so much open-mindedness I can have if I was in that small town in Albania where I didn't even have a library, for example. So personality, we have a personality, a part of personality we're born with, and then there's also what we've explored and learned and adapted and we have expanded our personality based on our experiences family that. friends schools jobs co-workers all of these people play a role in your personality and i think our personalities don't change but i think they just we grow right learn more we expand but our I love core your, stays uh, the your same. example of a global worldview. So being in a small uh, town or village or place in Albania, you didn't have access to a global worldview, but now you do, right? So your personality and temperament you were born with is one thing, but your life experience shapes and molds your global worldview. Um, I love that. You're, you're such a good example of all things that young girls should look up to be and want to aspire to become, right? Um, all the, the challenges you faced and you didn't just overcome them, you totally kicked them to the curb. I mean, it's incredible, <laughs> really. Um, I know how you put it in these beautiful words and you make it sound so amazing. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. And in fact, I, I mean, I know that I, as well as our listeners, want to know more about you. So where can they go to reach you? Where can they go to learn more about you? They can, uh, they can reach me at my personal email. It's very simple. I mean, some people don't find my name very simple, but it's my first last name, almauldedai at gmail.com. And folks, I'll put Alma's email address in the blog that I write about her. You who are regular listeners know that I write a blog about each guest. I'll put her headshot, a couple of um, casual candid photos that tell the story of her, maybe some pictures of her artwork that she does because my gosh, it's beautiful. I would love to share that with the world. So look for that on my website at freemanmeansbusiness.com and learn more about Alma. And if you wanna reach her, I'll have her LinkedIn profile there as well as her personal email address. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you, Stephanie, for co-hosting. Thank you. It was my pleasure. It's so nice to, um, to meet you, Alma. I'm inspired. Very nice to meet you as well. And thank you to both of you for taking the time to interview me. And I hope this interview will make maybe one person inspired. And if that, has, if that happens to me, that's more than enough.
Oh, you've already inspired two right here. So you're oh, doubling, I'm you doubled <laughs> your success rate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a good day, everybody. And thank you again. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.